0: John Gunter from the Eagle Community Church of Christ. You have found our podcast. I just want to thank you for stopping by and listening. We hope it's helpful to you. And I just want to encourage you anytime you get a chance, we'd love to see you in person. This week we go over chapter 11 of the story. This is the story of kind of uh, David and Saul, but it talks about David and Goliath and really the interaction that uh, comes from this because David kind of becomes popular. Saul doesn't like that. So, we talk about what that means to, uh, to view someone else in this light of jealousy and anger. And, uh, you know, it, it's things that, that we can all relate to. And so, uh, again, I hope you get something out of it. Uh, again, we'd love to have you come by. Uh, we'd love to, to see you in our church. Uh, we're right here in Mont Bellevue. Come and see us sometime and have a great week. Well, you don't know what you're missing. With um, the ending off of that, that says there's no God like Jehovah about a thousand times. <laughs> and with no instruments of any kind, that can be a little tricky to figure out where you're at and how many times you've said it. <laughs> but uh, I, I just want to thank you again for being here. Uh, I've, I have enjoyed uh, the kids and the bucket uh, I, I'm thankful for uh, for all of you being open to to different things like that and that's something that uh, we did at our last church and it wasn't because of us it was because of a, a former minister who had started that and um, I told I told you guys when we started we would have to sing and keep singing you know a lot of times because we had we had the long aisle and you think you know getting out of these is, is tough at times but man you just keep on singing until they were done and uh, what a, what a beautiful display of, of just young kids' hearts, right? They enjoy this. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the point where I, I can convince a song leader they don't even have to say what's going on. They can just start singing. Jesus, and that'll be it. They will <laughs> head out. Uh, my kids are, are basically in a sprinter stance back there, <laughs> getting ready to go. And uh, uh, just what a beautiful display. I wish we got that excited about giving, right? That is not not a burden, but but just a a returning to God what he has gifted us with. It's just beautiful. This week in the story, we are in chapter 11. Last week, as we talked about this section of Scripture, and, and what we're talking about today comes from 1 Samuel, we talked about how the people had decided that God didn't know as much as he he says he knows or didn't know as well as they did. And they decided what they needed was a king like all the rest of the nations. We want to be like all the other nations with a king to go before us. And remember Samuel being a little distraught by that and God telling Samuel, well, it's not you that they're rejecting. It's me. And so what we saw is that is the, the moral of that story is that the people had decided that God was not king. Now, they didn't say that out loud, but their actions proved that they would rather have a human being that they could look at and admire and send out before them. This week, what we get is the story of not only Saul, who became that king, uh, but David as well. Uh, Remember, thinking about a king going before them, God. Gives them exactly what a lot of us think a good king would look like, right? A tall, good looking man. Not an average five foot nine. Now we don't know how tall, how tall uh, anybody was or why that matters. But God gave them exactly what we look for, right? And, and a little kind of an ominous beginning as they go to introduce Saul. Do you remember where Saul is? He's hiding among the baggage. That would kind of be a, okay, here's what's coming up for Saul in his life. And that's what we see as we get into maybe one of the most famous stories, if you grew up coming to church as a kid, uh, that that you've heard. And that is the story of David and Goliath. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. And I'm sure that is clear for everyone. (laughs) If you had the children's book, uh, that is a little over nine feet tall. Just a little up there. Probably play, I don't know, point guard in the NBA nowadays. In verse five, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Again, a little over 100 pounds, 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Exactly what you want in a king. (laughs) To be dismayed and terrified. This begins really the the main point, the the crux of, of this whole scene Because God knew what they would be getting if they decided they wanted a king to go before them. What they got was a man who, when faced with a lot of adversity in the form of a nine-foot-tall guy with a lot of heavy armor and a javelin, he backed down, didn't he? Saul is found not on the front of the lines leading his people, but up in his tent, kind of hiding out. This story continues as David makes his way up uh, into the, uh, the battle area. David trying to convince Saul at this point that some, somebody needs to do something about this guy who's defying the Lord God. Saul keeps going back and forth with him, and that's what we see kind of here. David says, "Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living god the lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this philistine david did not come up here with a, a macho demeanor that because i am who i am because i am strong enough to defeat the lion and the bear this will be taken care of did you see where david put all of this in the hands of God. That because God is who He is, the Lord who allowed this to happen. How many times do we do something in life, even small things, and when they're over, we look back and man, I am pretty good. I'll tell you, uh, in, in all aspects of life, sometimes it feels like a battle. Sometimes you, you, you feel like, oh man, I just did that. I worked hard and I got it done. We kind of have to remind ourselves, it's not me. Yeah, I participated and I I did what I needed to do, but it was God sustaining me through all of this. And, And that's the difference, that's the contrast in the views of Saul and David here. Saul looked out and saw this giant man yelling at him and said, man, I can't take him. David looked at the same man and said, he's no match for God. Isn't that a difference? Can you imagine what what it would look like if we took that same courage and that same spirit out into the world for whatever we have to do? It's not about how uh, good I'm trained or how much I bring to the table, but I look out and I see something, maybe a difficult situation, and it's not about how I can fix it, but man, I know a God that can. I serve a God that can handle any of this. And that changes everything, doesn't it? Because now it's not me. I step out of the way. Can we do that? The story continues. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. How noble, right? When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, and we know the story if you read it this week, David uh, gets dressed ironically again. Saul not only you know, is, is willing to let this small shepherd boy go out to fight his battle, he said, hey, put on my clothes. Take part of me with you. And David puts all of this on. He said, you know what? I'm not used to any of this. I can't fight a guy. I'm not used to this. And David goes out into battle with five smooth stones, it says. Goliath looks on this young child, and, and though he, he's a good-looking little kid, he's just a kid, right? a 16, 17-year-old kid. We know the story that though Goliath had all of this armor and all these things, David takes him down with a slingshot. And so after that, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. See, it's okay for us to dance, y'all. It's okay. can make it. I didn't put all that in there, but if you read about how David danced, it might make you blush a little bit. <laughs> and David went challenged on it, and he said, watch this. I'll do even more than that. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands. And you got to think Saul puffed his chest out at this. And David his ten thousands. And Saul unpuffed that chest real quick. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? He's here. He's got everything handed to him. Now he's going to take the whole kingdom from me, Saul immediately thinks. And from that time on, Saul kept a close, uh, maybe even a jealous or fearful eye on David. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men and David led the troops in their campaigns. And everything he did he had great success because the Lord was with him. Again you notice not David was a great dude or he was in shape. It was the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how Saul How successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. David was the warrior king that they wanted, while Saul sat back. Isn't it interesting that that Saul is immediately kind of jealous and, and maybe even intimidated by the all of a sudden popularity of David? You ever looked at someone that you worked with or were in school with, or they just had something that you didn't have, and that ate you up. I think I might have said last week, I, I do give this advice don't ever tell anybody how much you make. That is not anyone's business other than yours. It's not, oh, I don't care, I don't mind sharing. No, do not share. We do not mm-mm, don't need to hear that. Because some things in life just breed this kind of jealousy. Now someone has something that I don't have. And we, we get this way because just like Saul, we lost our vision. We lost this focus on God is leading me, not I am great and I do all of these things. That's when Saul started kind of drifting away from what God wanted him to do. It was all about him and not about God. And what David brought was not about David, but about God. And that mindset can really throw us off. It's really led to a lot of terrible things over the years. It can lead to fear of other people, or again, jealousy and maybe even anger. We can look back through our own history and see different ways that we have departed from God's will because we were jealous or fearful or just uncertain about other people. In 1946, this is a picture, uh, this black man's name is Heman Sweat. He was from Houston. Uh, Heman wanted to go to law school at the University of Texas. Well, the University of Texas at that time did not have a, school, a law school for black people, again, not being integrated uh, in the school. And so Heman was rejected, not because of his grades or anything like that, but simply because of the color of his skin. And he took this battle. He even had to kind of sue uh, the university to try and get in. And when he brought this lawsuit to the University of Texas, uh, then at the time the president was uh, last name of Painter, what he did to try and get around the lawsuit was he, he, he went and he rented a basement room at a petroleum company. And they took boxes of books and dumped them in the bottom in the basement of this petroleum company and said, here is our law school for black students. Again, they only had one that wanted to be there and they counted a room with a bunch of dumped books as their law school. Heman Sweat took this uh, lawsuit to um, Thurgood Marshall, was who represented him, Thurgood Marshall was a a very well known uh, lawyer and ended up sitting on the Supreme Court. And they won this. And uh, one of the the fascinating things about this story is uh, when the university tried to challenge and they took this to court, the court filled up so much, and a bunch of the white students from the University of Texas showed up. And they wanted to be there to see what happened. And remember, in these days, the courts even were separated, whites and blacks. And so the bailiffs tried to keep it that way, but there were so many white students coming in here that they couldn't keep it away. The only uh, only way that they would move out of the black section was if a a black person came in and wanted to sit there, and then they they would politely get up because they were there to make sure justice had been done. And when they showed pictures of the room that was now the black law school, white students booed their own university. and Sweat ended up winning this, and they was able to go to the University of Texas in a, uh, a landmark lawsuit that kind of led way to uh, Brown versus the Board of Education. All of this because of a misconception, maybe a fear of what other people might do to my standing. I have uh, been listening to a a podcast that uh, details some things back centuries ago, and Evan's been listening to it with me, and it's been interesting to kind of explain that just because of the color of someone's skin, we can't use the same water fountain or restroom. Again, can you imagine why all of this would come about? because of fear, because of some misconception about someone, maybe even jealousy of, man, they're going to take my job, or I have this in place. And we see things like this happen. This was, this was actually in 19, I think, 50, after uh, Mr. Sweat had won his uh, lawsuit, and he was actually registering there. What a great picture but also a reminder of if left to our own devices, if we take the focus off of God, we can attack other people in ways that just don't make sense. Just like Saul did David. If you read this week about the whole story of Saul and David, David had a chance to get back at Saul, even though Saul had pursued him, tried to attack him, tried to kill him. David even cuts off a piece of Saul's garment and David shows it to him. He said, listen, I don't have any reason to attack you. There's no reason this should be going on at all. And it's odd because Saul, again, he keeps going back and forth. It's almost like he's he's got some kind of mental condition. It's almost a groundhog day. He wakes up and everything's different again. Okay, I'm I'm good with David. You know what? I need to kill David. But he just keeps going back and forth and and again, just, just out of jealousy. And the problem is, is that that's not just for stories back then or even in the 1950s, that story's about us in church. So many times, if you're leading a Bible class or you're you're preaching or you're a song leader, we can get in those positions and act like, in in a fearful manner that I don't want anyone else to have access to what I'm doing. That I want to be in this position and so I protect it. And I keep other people out. And what the church is about is growing and training leaders. Giving people the opportunity to step up and to serve God with all of their talents. Saul looked at David and he saw someone that he wasn't. Someone who really commanded the respect of all the people when Saul knew he was the one sitting in the tent. He allowed David to go. We can look at other people and think, man, they're more talented. I need to do whatever I can to keep this. As a preacher in 2023, I stand before you this morning knowing that at any second as you leave this building, you can get on your phone and listen to a podcast from just world-class speakers. And I can let that get me down, and I can try to protect that, and I I can try to, I don't know, dissuade you from all of that, I can say, look at the ways God has blessed all of you and all of these people. What we need to be is a church who train. We need to be a group of people here that, as we saw our our young kids come and give, we need to show them the ways in which they should go and how it is, how it looks like to grow up and to be a follower of Christ. I uh, don't know if you know this. You probably have assumed it. But I can get in trouble from time to time sharing too much about my life or that of my family Katie cringes every time I start telling a story about Katie I don't, I don't blame her at all don't get me wrong because I'm me and you know who knows what I'm going to say but uh, I want to share a story uh, that happened just last night for our family is it okay if I tell that? she can't say no now I mean, really what's, what's she going to do? what's she going to do? We took two vehicles. I'm I'm good at least till we get home. <laughs> last night, because the boys were on vacation last week, we didn't we didn't read last week's story, so We read two chapters, and as we were getting done, you know, the, the, for the kids' books, there are discussion questions at the end, and um, the boys started bringing up things like baptism and, and following Jesus, and what what does all that mean? And so as I'm explaining it, we had really good conversation, which you, you know sometimes you don't think kids would think in the ways they do, but my goodness, they're catching what we're we're putting down, and we uh, we talked about it for a little bit, and I said, well, it, it's about choosing Jesus, and um, we ended, I don't I don't remember how it got brought up, but we, we even talked about uh, Satan being in the world and kind of you know you're, you're choosing to be with God or you're choosing another way that leads to another place. And I didn't make a big point out of that. I wasn't trying to scare my kids. But in just a little bit, as we put them to bed, I hear the boys talking. And Logan has some questions. And he's asking big brother. And I can hear in his voice, concern. I don't want to go live with that bad guy. (laughs) And I hear Evan explain, you won't. Do you trust God? Or do you trust Jesus? And Logan said, yes, I trust them. And so Evan ends up explaining that uh, we all mess up. Logan had said something like, well, what if I make a bad decision? Again, I'm hearing what a lot of us were raised to believe that at one second I could be following God and the next bad decision I am gone. But almost like the blood of Jesus is very thin. It doesn't cover much very long. And so I, I let this go on for a little while because they've got a fan on and they don't know Dad can hear everything <laughs> down there. But I go in and, and Logan is in tears. And it is like he is fighting for his own salvation at that point. Because he keeps asking and, and, and concerned that I don't want to go there. I do trust God, and I do trust Jesus. And I'm trying to explain and trying to understand if I'm even getting through to. A six-year-old mind. And in the midst of this, and I'm kind of, you know, you're trying to figure out how do I say this in the right way, and I, I just, in the midst of all of that and the, and the crying and the emotion and the, me trying to soothe him, I, I just started thinking, man, I wish I had a room full of adults that fought for their salvation like this. I wish I had a room full of adults that cared this much about where I end up and, and what it means to follow Jesus in the right way and have all these questions. Questions don't scare me. Inaction do. Apathy does. And so I had probably the, the most meaningful conversation I've ever had with my six-year-old and my nine-year-old last night. And I thought, my goodness, I would do this every night if it meant knowing that my boys cared. They want to know. And it was interesting because even this morning they woke up and We're talking about it still. And I think about this and and, and this kind of story and and where you stand and to care how God views you, to care that that God is with you. Logan got up one more time after I finally left the room, and he he said, Dad, I can't sleep. I keep thinking of all these these bad images. I think he said evil images or something like that. It's interesting to hear him explain it. I said, do you remember who I told you is your protector? He said, yeah, God. And I said, you go back in there and you pray to God. And you ask him to protect you. And because you say you trust him and you trust him, right? He said, yes. I said, you give that to God and you let him handle it. And to see that light bulb come on on that little six-year-old's face was wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, he went back in and went to sleep. Now, it didn't last long. He came and got in my room. <laughs> Real life, y'all. <laughs> but he went back and went to sleep. and I, I just, th- that stuck with me. That in these moments that we could be desiring what God desires, that we could be concerned with how God views us. So many times we put ourselves out there and it's all about me. How I am viewed by other people. It's like Saul the conversation was no longer about God or God leading or what God would do in providing or protecting. It was about me versus David or me versus you or how I'm intimidated by your abilities or you're intimidated by mine, all the things that lead to jealousy and anger and push us away from God instead of drawing us in. Jesus, in explaining the church, says uh, the church is a, a group of people really known as members of the body. That we all bring something different. We all bring something of value. Because, not because of us, but because of God. God has gifted us in this way. And that we all bring something. So this morning, I, I just ask you, A, Is it God's view that you're concerned with it or is it your own? Is it jealousy or envy or fear that is leading you or is it my desire to do what God wants to do? And B, how is it you can serve this church? You saw this morning, there there are several small things that we need, even passing trades. I won't call Bo out, but he missed our row on the giving. (laughs) Listen, Bo, you can't be missing. We're trying to build a church. Sorry, sorry. Give me another shot. That's right. Yeah, we'll give, we give you another week. But How can you serve this church? How can you, blessed with your abilities by God, help this body of believers? Because even coming here today, it's not about all about you and I hope Tyler sang the songs you want or John preached the way you wanted, but it is about coming and encouraging one another. That we come and uh, we see, just as my boy has asked the question, you know, how do I follow, how do I do this, how do I believe more? I said, you come and you sing and you, you, you hear these words and you, you see other people that I'm not alone in this. Uh, what I come here to find this morning is not a group of enemies that I have to battle against, but a group of, uh, of people who also love God. that put their trust, their faith in him and just want to follow him. Some days are easier than others. Sometimes my faith feels stronger than other days. But we come and we encourage and we share our gifts. So how has God blessed you with a gift? How can you share that gift with this church? Won't you be thinking about that, not in some kind of empty just mental gymnastics or mental uh, thought exercise. But we really are going to need a lot of help as we move forward. They talk about building a, a new house is rough on a marriage. Mm-hmm. We're about to build a big building. And everybody's gonna have their own opinion. and Nobody's gonna get to weigh in on everything. But we're gonna need workers, y'all know that? Need somebody, we got 11 acres over there. Somebody needs to run a weed eater, I'm sure. <laughs> but how can we come and how can we gift not only this church but the community with all the things that God has blessed us with? That's a question I want you to be pondering. If you haven't begun that walk with with Jesus, I wanna encourage you to do so. Believe me, I had to think about a lot of things last night as I had two young boys talking about baptism and and when and how and why and all of those things. The main point of all of that is that you trust in Jesus. You put your faith in him. So follow him today if you've not begun that walk. Uh, If you need the prayers of this church, we'd also love to pray with you, to encourage you, uh, to help you along uh, every day in the same way. So if you have any needs, would you come as we stand and sing?